0: This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today.
1: All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world.
0: Eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran.
2: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Main Street Vegan program. I am your host, Victoria Moran. And if you listen often, you probably wonder why I just jumped right in and said, Hey, because usually I do a nice, thoughtful quotation introduction, but we're having all kinds of technical difficulties. Do you find that you have to allow about 20 minutes a day just to make Time for those. (laughs) That's certainly the way it is in my world. In any case, I very, very much welcome you to today's program. You know, I was going to give you the beautiful philosophical quotation at the very beginning, but I'm going to do that right now. It's actually a quotation from a wonderful new book called Homo Ahimsa. Because, you know, maybe we haven't done such a great job at homo sapiens. Maybe it's time for us to become homo ahimsa with a focus on harmlessness and reverence for life. And this is the book from today's second scheduled guest, Judy Carmen, And she writes... This is, at its deepest roots, a spiritual movement. Many people have rejected or lost interest in formal religion because it has been complicit in much of the devastation we face today. But spirituality transcends organized religion. It is a metaphysical and mysterious impulse that visits us and moves us to say no to the status quo that causes so much suffering, pain, and violence. So I think we all agree that we can get in that line and stand up alongside Judy Carmen and say no to some of that stuff that is no longer working and usher in a beautiful new world. And my Uh, first guest is someone, yes, indeed, Dr. Mills, I'm about to introduce you. OK, is Dr. Milton Mills, who has been doing that for his entire career as a medical doctor, as a human rights activist, as a proponent of rights for animals and the sacredness of the earth. He's a frequent guest on our program and one of our favorites. And he's actually here today, along with Judy Carmen because we were going to be talking about the vegan spirituality conference that was to have happened in September of 2020. But, you know, a pandemic came along. So that is now going to be happening in October of 2021. And I'm still going to be talking to these two magnificent people today. Welcome, Dr. Mills. Thank you always a pleasure to have you. So, so many people have been sending me questions to ask you. I'm not even sure we're going to get through them, but let me just jump in. The first question came from Jamie and she is asking, what do you know about the latest COVID research?
1: I'm not sure what she's referring to when she says latest COVID research. Um, I'm not, I have not seen anything, um, um startling or new um uh, outside of there's been research that shows that uh children uh older than 10 years old uh, can spread the virus as um efficiently as adults um there are of course studies that sh- that are showing that uh some very young children get can get a um uh highly inflammatory um, uh, type reaction that uh, mimics a uh, a syndrome um, in children uh, that I believe is called Kawasaki syndrome. But um, aside from that, I'm not sure what she is alluding to
2: um then i you know i think we've been on covid overload for so long and we just all want to be doing the best we can keeping ourselves safe keeping our families safe and it's become a full-time job for a lot of people so, uh, and you addressed this so beautifully um, in when you were with us in, in the early spring. You were actually the first physician we had on talking about immunity and COVID and all that kind of thing. So I refer people to that interview and we will definitely put that in the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. So um, I have another question here. This one comes from Kate in London and she is asking, is there any evidence to show that diet and lifestyle can help to treat or prevent serious mental illnesses such as bipolar, or can they help to offset any genetic propensity for it? Is it the same as other diseases where we're told that genetics loads the gun, but lifestyle fires it?
1: Um, Well, that, that is actually a very interesting and, and, uh, uh, and of course, important question. Um, and the, the sort of the simple answer is that, yes, there is um, evidence that diet can affect um, mental uh, functioning. I don't I don't know. I personally don't know of specific um, uh, research addressing specific diseases like such as bipolar disease Or schizophrenia. Uh, That is not to say that that research isn't there. I'm just saying I don't know of it specifically. But what I am uh, aware of is that there is uh, a large amount of research that shows that people who are plant based um, are less susceptible uh, and have lower rates of things like depression, uh, anxiety. Uh, uh, disorders and and some other mood uh, um, disorders. There is um, research from that has been done in lab animals, where they have shown that diets high in animal foods create um, uh, and t- toxins in the intestine that, when absorbed, can actually interfere with the ability of um, central nervous system. Uh, cells called oligodendrocytes to um, make the insulation that um, neurons need to function properly. So uh, as I was saying that the, the, the research in the uh, lab animals that showed that these intestinal toxins that come from um, uh, uh, feeding the animals um, a lot of animal protein correlate with behaviors that would be consistent with uh, depression, uh, anxiety disorders and uh, things like that in the human beings uh, and then the third uh, leg um, uh, supporting this kind of um, uh, evidence is that there are there have been a number um, uh, several instances where uh, prisoners who were confined to um, um, uh, a specific institution were put on plant-based diets and they found that, Violent t- uh, types of behavior and um, uh, 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 went down significantly. The prisoners were uh, more, um, uh, they were easier to deal with. They, again, had fewer uh, issues with conflict amongst themselves. So there was a definite change in their uh, personal uh, mood and behavior. Um, and there is a, a um a institution called the judge rotenberg uh, center i believe it's in connecticut where um these this it's a living facility for uh teenagers who have again severe uh, behavioral uh, issues such that they can't um function at home or in school and and so they are sent to this facility and um they have, long, um, uh, years ago, adopted a plant-based diet for their uh, kids. And they've reported, again, that the um, uh, levels of, of problems and behavioral issues that they have with the students went down significantly. And that's one of the reasons that they adhere to this type of diet. So there are, as I, I want to say, multiple lines of research uh, showing efficacy in that area. Um, I'm not sure if anyone has uh, done placebo-controlled double-blind studies looking at these things, Um, but the fact that I'm not aware of it doesn't mean that they don't exist. It's just that um, that, that's not an area that I typically research uh, excessively. But um, the bottom line is uh, your diet can have uh, a a significant impact on uh, behavioral issues.
2: Uh Aha. Thank you so much. And we have a caller. George, welcome to the program. George? Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Do you have a question for Dr. Mills?
1: Yes, I did have a question. I um, thank him for his frontline service and all that he does for the vegan community. But the um, main question is, I don't understand how Dr. Mills spews all the hate on uh, the uh, websites that he has and the uh, different Facebook uh, accounts. So, uh, if he could uh, address that, I would appreciate it. I, I didn't understand the question. Um, Vicky can you Victoria can you repeat yeah I,
2: mean, I, I think he's talking about uh, some of the acrimony that appears on on Facebook and and how that affects you and I do need to get in a word here for unity online radio because this is a church station and a nonprofit we can't get political but maybe Milton you can just say something about social media <laughs> and how we can all be nice
1: well uh, yeah I, I mean social media is a place where people go to express various opinions um about a variety of things and some of those opinions um do uh deal with uh political issues and uh when people are discussing uh, political issues particularly in this current environment um sometimes things can get become very emotional because i can speak Uh, personally about these things, as an African-American person, um, given the uh, type of political rhetoric that is coming out of this current administration, I frequently feel threatened, absolutely threatened, not only for myself, but for my loved ones and friends who are also persons of color. And it is uh, very upsetting when those kinds of concerns seem to be dismissed or minimized by people who um, are not persons of color and so you know those discussions can get as i said uh quite emotional and sometimes heated um but i'm not sure what else i can say beyond that in answer to that question
2: thank you dr Mills, and thank you george thank you for your call um we do have a a question from yeah, bless you. Take care. Um, from from Chris in Atlanta, and she is asking about what people of color can do to advocate for their own health, such as getting tests from their primary care physician.
1: Well, again, um, uh, that, that's a really general question, um, but I, I think, and I think, what is true for Persons of color is true for everyone. And the first thing is to realize that um, when it comes to your health, you each individual has to be the person that takes primary responsibility for that. And um, I I will sort of give an anecdote to explain this. Uh, A a good friend of mine has a family member who has uh, poorly controlled diabetes right now and to the point where this person has been admitted to the hospital recently um, for um, the some problems stemming from the diabetes, and she encouraged her family member to um, um, adopt a plant-based diet. The family member broached that topic with his physician, and the physician said, well, I don't think that there's um, any... Uh, essentially dismissed it and, and said that he didn't see any value in it or think that it was a good idea. Well... Anyone who has uh, been paying attention to the research on uh, how diet impacts diabetes and other chronic ailments knows uh, clearly that diabetes can help reverse type 2 diabetes and can e- and help ty- even those with type 1 diabetes uh, obtain and maintain better control of their disease, which will minimize long-term risks and um Uh, uh, linked in their life. The fact that the doctor is unaware of that research um, should not dissuade someone from pursuing what has been shown again and again to be uh, a helpful way to eat and live and a a way in which you can help, uh, as I said, correct diabetes and minimize its uh, long-term effects. And the bottom line is that it's the individual with the diabetes who is going to be at danger for having uh, premature heart disease, uh, premature strokes, um, limb amputations, kidney damage, and and possibly going blind from the effects of poorly controlled disease. So you can't let a doctor's unwillingness to address these issues uh, dissuade you from pursuing them. And I always uh, encourage patients that when you talk to doctors, if they tend to dismiss uh, uh, your inquiries about um, diet and disease, you should ask them, well, do you have any research showing why these things are not effective? Because um, you can tell them very clearly, I want to practice evidence-based medicine. Therefore, if you're telling me that this is not something I should do, can you give me some research that supports your view? And um, the doctor, if they they can't do it, then that shows you that their opinion is not an informed opinion. And um, I would look for uh, another physician. There is, PCRM does have um, a uh, app out um, um, that helps people find plant-based physicians in the areas where they live, um, and um, I would contact PCRM at PCRM org um, to uh, ask about that app, so that you can find a plant-based practitioner in your area who would be better able to guide you uh, on this uh, topic.
2: Thank you, thank you so much. And I know uh, Dr. Mills, we're asking you like everything. It, it's almost like you know Encyclopedia Britannica. So. I appreciate um, your are um, answering so many diverse questions. And I understand that your specialty is one thing, but you also have information on so much else. So now we have a question from Alyssa who says, what about plant-based eating and inflammation? And and she's talking about in terms of tendonitis. And she's also asking if it's really important to be whole foods, vegan 100% of the time, Or if you eat plenty of of fiber and fruits and vegetables, can you indulge in some processed food?
1: Well, there's no question that being, um, uh, you know, 100% a whole food plant-based is the best diet for the best outcomes. And um, there's also no question that... um, Plant based diets, the research shows, I mean, there is just, there are literally mountains of research that show that plant based diets, um, healthy plant based diets, I should say, markedly reduce inflammation and can uh, help treat things like tendonitis and other forms of inflammation. That's one of the reasons that so many um, uh, professional sports players now are ch- turning to plant based diets because they have found that. It not only does it help them with their energy level, with their performance and stamina, but it all, because of the anti-inflammatory um, components in the diet, it cuts down on their recovery time. It helps. Ah uh, with the muscle soreness, with the uh, recovery from exercise because it markedly reduces the inflammation that comes from uh you know vigorous uh, exercise and can absolutely help with things like tendonitis and so forth. It has also been shown to help with um, allergic uh, uh, type syndromes. There's a movie on uh, Netflix called Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead uh, about a gentleman who had this really severe uh, inflammatory syndrome that he was able to reverse completely by uh, adopting a plant-based diet. So um, the the and and as far as um, can you uh, do a little bit and be okay? That's number one. That's not a question that I can necessarily answer. And the reason is, some of these uh, it's like poison ivy, uh, poison ivy or poison oak. I think people who have experienced uh, that problem know that the first time you get it you may only get um, a mild outbreak but that if you come in contact with even just a brush against the plant a very small exposure you get a massive systemic uh, outbreak all over your body because the uh, inflammatory reaction is mediated by the immune system and therefore the amount of inflammation is disproportionate to the actual exposure, and the same thing can be true with animal foods. That um, it, that even a small exposure can trigger massive amounts of inflammation in the body. And so the um, best thing to do is to avoid these things altogether. Now um, she she mentioned processed foods, and um, I'm not you know again that's a huge uh, topic, but if uh, if, if someone is saying, if I become vegan, can I never have a piece of cake or, um, you know, um, uh, some kind of uh, dessert or uh, something that was made with, you know, um, uh, uh, say, white flour as opposed to whole grain flour. No, I, I, if you keep the animal foods out of your diet, which are the real triggers for the inflammation, you know, an occasional piece of cake or an occasional uh, dinner roll that's uh, uh, not made with 100% whole grain flour will be okay. But again, it's going to have to do with the preponderance of what you're eating.
2: I see. Thank you so much. So I do, I see, gosh, we're down to our last four minutes. And I want to ask you something that is really one of your signature areas. In fact, you just taught an amazing class on it for the, the current Main Street Vegan Academy, your your signature talk. People can find it on, on YouTube, Are Humans Designed to Eat Meat. But let's just say there was no clinical or ethical or environmental or religious rationale for dietary choices. And we were going to base them 100% on anatomy and physiology. In our last two and a half minutes, what would we choose and why?
1: Um, Well, again, if you're looking purely at what human beings are anatomically designed to eat and what our physiology tells us about how our body responds to what we eat, you would absolutely stick to a fully plant-based diet because from an anatomical standpoint, human beings are designed like committed uh, plant eaters in terms of our jaw structure, our swallowing mechanism, the uh, structure and length of our uh, digestive tract, and also um, the the uh, function of our large intestines. Uh, when you look at our physiology, it's clear that plant foods help decrease inflammation, help boost immune function and lower the risk for all sorts of chronic diseases. Whereas uh, animal protein, when consumed by adults, turns on cancer genes, it turns on pro-inflammatory genes. It creates, as I said, a lot of toxic compounds in our colon. And one of the reasons that happens is that uh, animals designed to eat uh, um, animal food, and that includes the true omnivores, all have very short intestinal uh, tracts and especially short colons. And that's because by the time any protein residue reaches the colon where bacteria live, it has no nutritive value and needs to be eliminated from the body. If it's kept inside a warm, moist interior for too long, it causes um, uh, all sorts of uh, toxins like ammonia, uh, uh, hydrogen sulfide, um, and, uh, and, and, and several other toxic compounds to be uh, created by bacteria which can be absorbed and then, as I mentioned earlier, interfere with uh, the uh, structure and function of the central nervous system. Uh, it ramps up inflammation which increases the risk for uh, uh, dementia, uh, depression, anxiety, and so forth, as well as accelerates chronic diseases like heart disease, um, and promotes cancer development so uh, let's stop uh, Let,
2: let's stop before they cut us off uh, okay. <laughs> dr mills i i'm i'm so fond of you and have such admiration for you thank you so much for yet again sharing your expertise with us on the main street vegan program everybody else stay with us through these messages and we'll be back with homo ahimsa
0: Glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran.
2: Hey, everybody, thank you so much for being with us today. And I always invite everybody who listens to check out my website, MainStreetVegan.net. And there's some cool stuff going on there right now. There's a slider right on the homepage that talks about a free Zoom class uh, happening in September. That's going to be how to go vegan, how to go plant-based in uh, no time at all. So uh, if you Find that of interest, or if there's somebody in your world who could use that, you can sign up for that. Then we're also having a retreat. Now, it's going to be at home. It's going to be on Zoom like everything else, and yet it's going to be so delicious. This retreat is called Acing Age with Ayurveda. That's going to be happening September 26th and 27th of 2020. And you can get all the information if you just click there on that slider, or you could just go to tinyurl.com slash age retreat a c-i-n-g age retreat and you actually will get a discount on that if you are a listener of the podcast so when it says do you have a discount code you just put in p-o-d pod for podcast and i hope that you'll be joining us with all these wonderful wisdom and and great self-care from ayurveda we're going to have so much fun and learn so much and who knows maybe get a little bit younger so one of my great friends you know that's a way to stay younger have lots of wonderful friends (laughs) happens to be my guest in the second segment she is judy carmen m a she's the author of the book we've been talking about homo Ahimsa, who we really are and how we're going to save the world. Judy is also the author of Peace to All Beings, which has the sweetest subtitle of Veggie Soup for the Chicken's Soul. She's a recipient of the Henry Spira Grassroots Animal Activist Award and founder of the Animal Peace Prayer Flag Project. She is co-founder of Animal Outreach of Kansas, Worldwide Prayer Circle for Animals, and Interfaith Vegan Coalition. Welcome, Judy Carmen.
0: Thank you, Victoria. It's great to be here. And hi, everybody. This is just, <laughs> uh, like you said, so wonderful to be with friends. And we're all friends here and, uh, there's just so much to share and I just really appreciate your inviting me. And, uh, I, I do want to tell everybody, yes, please go to Main Street Vegan and see all the amazing things that Victoria is doing. It's, I don't know how you're getting all
2: this done, but. Which, you know I, I think amazing. that about everybody. You know when I introduce people on this program it's like they're doing this and this and this but I do think we have a lot of energy because of the way we live and we also have a lot of energy because we're on fire for this cause. You know we really want people to see what we see. That's and so and you true. do that beautifully as as an author and as an activist. So just give us the the abbreviated version of how you got to be vegan.
0: Okay. Um, short version: um, I, of course, like many of you, maybe everyone listening in, I loved animals as a kid, but I didn't understand that we were eating animals uh, when when mom was serving meat on the table. It took me till I was about 10 years old to really make that connection, and then I didn't know what to do. Um, I didn't really... I'd never heard the word vegetarian. I didn't know there were people who didn't eat meat, and so I tried not to eat meat, and um, so I lived on uh, donuts, which uh, I finally realized... That's, there's not a lot of nutrition there, <laughs> and Frosted Flakes as well. So I I got pretty sick, and then I thought, well, I guess people are right. You do have to eat meat. So I did until I was an adult, and then I started learning and about vegetarianism. And there were a, an actually a few cookbooks, not very many, Back then, this was back in the uh, 60s and 70s, and uh, as as uh, we all know, there are now thousands of cookbooks, <laughs> vegan cookbooks and books with e- vegan information and ethics and all that wonderful stuff now. But back then, there wasn't much.
2: No, so, pickings were slim.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so. now
2: it's not only cookbooks. You, sometimes when I don't have a lot of groceries left and I'll just Google, like, vegan, or, or maybe vegan, oil-free, or whatever I'm into that day, um, cabbage, carrots, uh, lentils, if that's all I've got. Because <laughs> that's what's and in the there like 50,000 <laughs> recipes just with that stuff in it. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, we didn't have the internet back then either. So... Um, but we did learn, and then, of course, I still was vegetarian. I didn't know about veganism, had not heard that word uh, until later on. And then uh, I started seeing, actually seeing the conditions that animals, cows and chickens were enduring for eggs and dairy products. And uh, once I really understood that and took the blinders off, I said, oh, okay, so uh, um, now I'm vegan. And um, that was about, oh, 25 years ago or so. So I have uh, been vegan for quite a while and vegetarian probably, I don't know, 20 years before that. So, um, but it it has, uh, like Milton was saying, It does make a difference um, the quality of the food you eat, and so um, I have learned over the years how to eat whole foods and um, whole plant-based healthy food, and that makes a big
2: difference. So it does indeed. Yeah, so it it takes time. Let's move into your book because you know it's hard to write a book. (laughs) I'm trying to get the inspiration for number 14 for me. And, you know, I have a lot of false starts and you've really done a beautiful job with this one. But I want to ask you, I'm going to ask you about the title second. I'm going to ask you about the subtitle first. So your subtitle is so positive. And I mean, this is Unity Online Radio, you know, all about positive. (laughs) But oh my goodness, you say who we really are and how we're going to save the world. Not how maybe kind of sort of with some luck. So, do you really <laughs> believe that we're going to be able to pull this off?
0: Well, I do, and I just uh, there's so many uh, factors involved in my optimism, and one of them is unity, and many other uh, people that are that are spiritually oriented that are sensing. Uh, an actual rising of consciousness that's happening now a sense among people that something's shifting something major is happening for us spiritually and that we are getting divine assistance and part of it is it's kind of in an ironic way really because we've run out of time and so we've got to move fast we've got to uh, open ourselves up to who we really are, which is not the homo sapiens that has just devastated this planet, Um, that we actually are capable, and and Unity has been wonderful at teaching this, we are fully capable of being beings of love, and that's why we're here, and that is our superpower, and so we're and we're doing it. And there's many people already that I would call Homo Ahimsa now. Um, ahimsa means non-harm in Sanskrit, and so, but but it has a much broader meaning than that for for you know uh, people in the Jain religion, which started the ahimsa uh, vow and gandhi took that vow and it basically means non-harm but it goes beyond that to mean abstaining from any animal products as well as not harming any animals and having reverence for life and also um, mastery over yourself which is another thing that unity teaches. And um, mastery over our thoughts and not allowing, or that's not the right way to phrase it, but learning to sort through the many thoughts that come floating through our minds and choosing. We know now that we can choose. We don't have to be violent. We can choose to be kind and loving. And when we do that, we are... In sync with our true nature.
2: So, what happens, Judy? You talked about this true nature, our, our true loving nature. So, how does that change our relationship to animals and nature?
0: Yeah, good, good question. And what it does is, I and I think that a lot of, of us that have been on a spiritual path for a long time have. Thought mainly about our own spiritual path, being kind to other people, uh, living by the golden rule, you know doing our very best to help others, and all that, but not not extending it out to the animals of the world and to the earth and what we're what i 'm seeing now is this great um, evolving consciousness of, wait a minute, this golden rule doesn't just apply to people. That wouldn't make any sense because all these other beings are here and the trees and the flowers and they're all here just blessing us with their amazingness. Um, You know, just listening to frogs singing at night, you're just, like overwhelmed with the beauty of nature. But um, I think there's been that kind of disconnect where it's the golden rule uh, and all of these, these spiritual teachings have only applied to people, and it's like there's a big barricade there. And that door is opening now, and people are seeing what's really happening to animals and seeing what Homo sapiens has done to the earth and the animals. It, it wasn't done by alligators and dogs and wolves. They did not do the damage to the earth that we're seeing all around us. They did not bring us to this brink of the sixth extinction and the, all of the the terrible things as far as pollution in the ocean and air pollution. They didn't do any of that. Homo sapiens did that, and that is why I say, hey, w- w- truly, we are not that. We are Homo Ahimsa. We have the capacity to, to ascend beyond that that mindset of domination and of being the center of the universe as if we could do whatever we want to with the other beings and and that includes people people uh, who are you know compromised in many ways for example, who work in slaughterhouses, who are very marginalized and have very few rights, and are being terribly discriminated against and exploited, and uh, also people who work in um, the farm industry. The so so. Anything we do, I think what we're seeing now is that anything we do that helps the animals, that liberates the animals, that ends animal agriculture altogether, will also help all these people who have been marginalized. And there's also many people who are living in areas, uh, for example, where um, Tyson has set up these gigantic chicken factories and polluted the whole area with uh, the the air, the water, and uh, made people sick all around there. These things are happening, and those people are suffering along with the chickens and so um the the obvious, very logical idea here is. Let's not eat chickens. Let's not eat eggs. And Tyson will have to find it something else to do with their time.
2: Right. And they're already investing in plant-based foods. I mean, the, right. the word is out in the meat industry. Mm-hmm. They, they know that plant-based is, is the wave of, of the future. I think it, it is frightening for people who are in these industries to hear you say, you know, we're, we're going to get rid of them. But it's, it's not... Like you know, going in and bulldozing them, it's this idea of change in the marketplace and change in what people want to eat, and also um, offering our support to them. Because the way I look at it, nobody was a, a kid in middle school saying, Boy, I can hardly wait to get out of here so I can kill animals for a living i mean people are in these jobs because they're the jobs available and and right now we have for example the boycott meat campaign if people want to check that out it's just boycottmeat.com and and this is a lot of people who are interested in animals and the earth and who are also stepping up to support the slaughterhouse workers who are getting covid at these alarming rates so as much as we think we can't all work together you know what uh I think we can, especially as we evolve towards Homo Ahimsa. But what I want to ask you, Judy, is it's taken millions of years to get to Homo sapiens. So we don't have a lot of time to make it from here to Homo Ahimsa. So what do we do? Well, I think that the great thing is
0: that we don't have to change ourselves. We just have to realize who we really are. And I think a really good question to ask people is, would you ever on purpose harm an animal? Nearly 100% of people would say, of course not. I would not do that. And that, the, the, the I guess the conclusion, you could call it, there would be, well, then you are really vegan in your heart. And so it's just another step to, and, and I, I shouldn't say just vegan because, uh, that, of course, that in, implies nonviolence, but you're already homo ahimsa in your heart because you are not wanting to be violent. But what so many people don't realize is that they're paying other people to be violent, horribly violent to these poor animals who have done nothing to harm us and who now, because of there are so many of them, the number of wild animals keeps plummeting, and so many animals are becoming extinct. But I think all of this information is coming out, and so that's another reason for my um, optimism, because people are paying attention. They're seeing there's some really bad things happening in the world, and I want to do something about it. And what's so exciting and positive is that Going vegan, eating plant based, just that one thing is probably a a million times more powerful than taking shorter showers. And so and then all the other things that come along with it, once you realize vegan is so much more than just what you eat. It's also how you live in a nonviolent way, which which applies to how you interact with people and animals. But I um, to go back to your question, I think that a big part of what we all are facing as we do reveal our true nature to ourselves and others is that we have got to peel away the layers of programming that have been a big part of our lives, churches, schools, our parents who were also programmed, uh, all these people who didn't know any better, we were all raised in, underneath a worldview that it is okay for us to dominate anyone who appears to be weaker than we. And that is not right that we know that now that is not cool and but but it's amazing and as we um we're all learning more about racism we're we're being asked to look within and look at well, do we have some racist attitudes we uh, We think we don't, but maybe we do look deep and So I think that we're in that place right now, um, spiritually, uh, to look deep within at all of our, all the things that we've been taught and really question deeply. Uh, If somebody says something and we have a like a knee-jerk reaction to it, um, say to yourself, instead of having that knee-jerk reaction to that person, say to ourselves, now, why do I have that? You know, who taught me that what they're saying is wrong or um, or that I should, you know, argue with them or something? So um, I think that that's uh, a really big part of this. And then also, of course, meditation and prayer and um, spending a lot of time in uh, Contemplation about where our ideas come from and how true are they really and and balance them off, okay, is that thought that I just had a loving thought, and I think that that will help us a lot to to make this transition and uh just understand that we we have all been, as Will Tuttle says, we've all been wounded by our culture. And f- find those wounds and heal those wounds and be be patient with ourselves and loving with ourselves as we go through this. But I think that's a huge part of what our work is to do, our spiritual work right now is to question all this programming that we have endured for centuries.
2: Uh, yes, and also to read Homo Ahimsa, uh, I just wanted to share with people that your book has a lot of fans. It's brand new and it already has a lot of fans, and and one of your endorsers was actually a guest on this program last week, and that's Dr. Richard Schwartz, uh, Professor Emeritus of Jewish Veg, and he said, oh, Homo Ahimsa has the potential to have the kind of transformative impact that Rachel Carson's Silent Spring and Frances Moore LaPay's Diet for a Small Planet had. I very strongly recommend it, as do I. (laughs) Uh, So do do take a look at that. And, of course, we'll have a link uh, on... the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net so you can get yourself right to Amazon and, and purchase um, Judy Carman's wonderful book. I also want to ask you, Judy, about some of these other things you're involved in just in our last few minutes. So mm-hmm. tell me about the vegan, the Interfaith Vegan Coalition. I know that's a, a real uh, a child of your heart. So what does the IVC do and how can people get involved?
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, I think that the notes will have the link to that. And, um, uh, Lisa Levinson and Thomas Jackson and I founded that a few years ago with the idea of reaching out to places of worship and bringing them the uh, the vegan message, basically, the ahimsa message that, um, especially Places of worship have been teaching the Golden Rule or some form of it for all these years, and yet not expanded it out to include animals and the earth. So, um, our that's our job, and we have uh, lots of kits on advocacy kits on the website, and they're for different religions. We're still. Um, hoping to get more for different religions that we haven't got yet. But you can uh, look at those if you are, say, a, a Christian or a Jain or Buddhist. There's a kit there that you can look at and get some ideas of films to show to your group, um, which one of them is Thomas Jackson's film, which um, Victoria is the – Producer of, and it is uh, absolutely amazing, and definitely something everyone should watch. Um, but so that's one of, obviously one of the things that we recommend, and uh, and then of course. Um, people after they watch that film can form Compassionate Living Circles, and Thomas has a lot of information on that and so does the Interfaith Vegan Coalition. So, um, And we also do things like uh, responding to current events uh, such as, uh, let's say, a church that's uh, sponsoring a rodeo where uh, animals are harmed, and we contact the church with Um, letters and phone calls to try to help them see that that is not in line with their true values of uh, kindness and love so
2: that's That's so beautiful and and you do it with such grace and and you 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 are a homo ahimsa person judy Carmen. and Uh, thank you so much for all your wonderful work And for this beautiful book, thank you for the shout out to the film, A Prayer for Compassion. People can watch that on Vimeo and Amazon Prime if uh, they have uh, the uh, inclination to do that. Thanks, everybody, for listening today. Thanks for being part of the Main Street Vegan family. And you know what? We're going to see you guys next week. In the meantime, God bless you. Eat your veggies.
0: Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters Podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg